we've seen them miraculously delivered uh, through, uh, through Moses, the deliverer that God raised up. That we've seen them conquer the promised land under Joshua's leadership. We've seen a kingdom established, first with Saul, and then King David, King Solomon. Last week, John shared with you how the kingdom became divided into a northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, and a southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. We come to chapter 15 in the story that talks about, focuses on, the ministry of the prophets in each of these two kingdoms. Primarily, this chapter focuses on the ministry of prophets to the northern kingdom. So we're going to show you a video summary of what took place in this chapter. How many of you did the Bible study this week? Good for you. Good for you. Your, your place is assured in heaven. You know? No, I'm just kidding. Cover chapter 15 and this part of the story that we're in, but also try to address um, some of the issues of being a, in a, a mom in the culture that we live in. Actually, not just being a mom, just being a person in this culture. Um, if you will, turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. We're going to focus primarily on an incident that occurs in the life of the prophet Elisha. And actually, this little story is not in the story, chapter 15. It, 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 it's part of the overall period of time. There are two stories about women back-to-back. Elisha ministered to this lady who was uh, poor with no sons, excuse me, poor with two sons, and another lady just afterwards, and you might want to go ahead and read that story too because I think they're put together on purpose. But the second story is about a rich woman who had no sons. And I think what the overall message that God's trying to get across to us as His people is, He intends to bless everyone, rich or poor, no matter what your need is, whether you have children or no children, God intends to be with you, to bless you, to meet the needs in your life if you will simply listen and obey. Say those two words with me. Listen, listen. obey. Okay. Say it again. Listen, listen. Obey. obey. That's an overall pattern you see in the, in the story over and over and over again as it's given to us. So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Kings chapter 4. It says this. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Neat little story, huh? I think God's got a message for us today in it. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your word. 
We thank you for the beauty of the story that tells us how deeply you love us and how relentless your pursuit is after us. You leave no stone unturned. You're willing to pay whatever extravagant price is necessary to woo us and draw us back into a relationship with you. And I pray today, Father, that that would be the heart of this message, that your grace is undeniable and amazing. And I pray that as we hear this message of grace, that those who haven't yet received your grace would embrace it for themselves and see its liberating power, its power to bring life and freedom and joy and hope and peace. In a world like ours today, there's nothing we need more than your life and your freedom. So speak through me today, Jesus. Get me out of your way. I'm just an instrument in your hand. I want to be like the prophet Elisha, just telling others what you've told me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. And have your way in this place, Jesus. We'll be sure to give you the glory for it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Really simple message. Just want to share it with you as briefly as I can so we can get on to the other activities of the day. If you've read chapter 15 of the story, then you know just as the video showed us, that Elisha, the prophet Elisha, succeeded the prophet Elijah as, as a prophet to the northern kingdom of Israel. Now here, what, uh, you know, we have some different ideas about what a prophet is, but biblically speaking, a prophet is simply a person who speaks God's truth to other people. A prophet is simply a person who speaks God's truth to other people. Prophets are God's messengers faithfully declaring in their words and by their example the Word of God, and in essence, it's a word that calls people back into relationship with God. It's a word, it's a message that's warning people of the consequences of continuing on in their rebellion against God. And you can imagine, that doesn't make prophets very popular in any generation, but particularly in ours. You're trying to warn somebody, waving red flags. If you continue on in this pattern of behavior, you're going to experience the negative consequences of it. Come back. Come back to God. Repent of your sin. Turn to God and find freedom. That's not a popular message, is it? People wanted to be patted on the back and say, hey, you're a good person doing good things. Just go right ahead as they drive off the cliff. I don't know about you. I don't want to be that kind of messenger. Well, Elijah was known as God's fiery spokesperson. He was a fiery man. He called fire down out of heaven. He confronted people with truth. You can't handle the truth. Sorry. Move your up. Do you like that one, John? Yeah, thank you. The prophet Elisha followed Elijah, and he was known more as a tender healer who offered people grace. You had Elijah, proclaimer of truth, confronting people. Elijah, Elisha, the tender healer, offering grace. Elisha performs two times more miracles than Elijah, by the way, just so that you know that. But when you put the lives of these two prophets together, I think it foreshadows the life of the greatest prophet yet to come. The one who would be born in a manger 800 years later, the prophet Jesus Christ, who not only was a prophet, he was a priest. Not only a priest, he was a king. Not only a king, he was the sacrificial lamb who paid the penalty for our sins. 
You see in Jesus the one who is, the Bible describes him as full of truth and grace. You see in these two men of God, when you place them side by side as they've been placed before us in this story, you see them reflecting who Christ Jesus is. Grace and truth, truth and grace, hand in hand, demonstrating to all who God is and the mercy that can be found in God. Well, the woman in our story today, she was in a difficult place. Her husband was dead, and she found herself struggling to survive as a single mom with two sons. Now, Jewish tradition tells us that her husband had been a prophet himself named Obadiah. And it's believed to be the same Obadiah that was, that's mentioned in 1 Kings 18, Obadiah who hid and fed 100 prophets to rescue them from evil Queen Jezebel. And maybe that's why this poor woman finds herself in such deep trouble in this moment, in this moment in time. A lot of trouble, a lot of debt. Maybe it's because Obadiah spent all of the family wealth taking care of those prophets, doing his best to rescue those men from the evil King Jezebel. But whatever the reason, this woman finds herself in a desperate situation. She finds herself in a situation where she has no husband. She has no one to help her with the necessities of life. She has no money. She has no standing in the world. And she has two kids to feed and a debt that she could not hope to repay. That's desperate. And I imagine a lot of us can identify with this poor woman this morning. We can understand her anxiety and we can, we can understand her fear because we've been in those same kind of situations ourselves. We have felt her loneliness. And we have felt her emptiness. We have felt her profound sense of worthlessness. We know, we've known the pressures of deep sorrow, and we've known the pressure of crushing debt, and we've known, we've known the pressure of overwhelming despair. We can identify with this poor woman because we've been there ourselves. Some of us may even be there right now. But what can we learn today from this widowed, poor, single mom? A lot of single moms in the house today. I love single moms. I think God's got a special place in his heart for single moms. You have a tough job living in a culture that doesn't often seem to help you out, but seems to push you down. A lot of us probably identify with this poor woman because we've been there. We may even be there right now. No husband. Kids we're trying to raise. It seems like the whole world's set up against us. You need to know something. The whole world may be set up against you, but there's a God who's for you. There's a God who's for you. What can we learn today from this widowed single mom's experience that might help us today as we deal with some of those very same issues in our lives? I believe God has something to say to every one of us this morning. Get, don't get me wrong, but I think this morning, I want those of you who are single moms trying to raise kids in this culture, I want you to get your listening ears on because I believe God's bringing a message straight to your heart today. My question is, are you listening? I'm not a prophet, but I speak today as a messenger from God. I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. I'm just going to share with you what I believe God is saying to you today. Are you listening? 
Are you listening? Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. I know I'm coming to you a second time, which is unusual, but God, I just feel right now, I feel right now, God, that that there's someone in this room that says, this isn't for me. God's not for me. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, would you remove all the obstacles out of the way? Would you take blinders off of eyes? Would you unstop ears? Would you remove the strongholds that surround the hearts? Give us, oh God, ears to hear. And a heart to put into practice the word that you share with us today. Thank you, Lord. What can we learn from this widow woman's experience? Here you go. First, we, we learn from this woman that God really does care. God really does care. We don't even know this woman's name. It's, the name's not ever given to us. She's anonymous. She's nameless. But I tell you what, we may not know her name, but God certainly did. And God lets us know that she mattered to the Lord. Because when she cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord listened to her and responded to her, pre, her, to her plea. Listen, God really cared about this nameless, anonymous woman. And what you need to know this morning is this. He cares about you too. No one else in this room may even know who you are. But that doesn't really matter because there is a God who knows your name. He knows your heart. And He knows your need. And He really does care. St. Augustine said this about, about the love of God. He said, God loves each of us as if there was only one of us. If you learn nothing else from this journey we are taking through the Bible, I want you to please learn this. You'll see it over and over again. You and I, ordinary people like you and me, we really do matter to God. God really does care about us. Again and again and again, the Bible reveals that God really does care about the nameless, anonymous, ordinary people like you and me. People who are alone and hurting and exhausted. People who are displaced and forgotten and, ex and ignored. People who struggle with fear and despair and depression. People who face abuse and injustice and adversity. People who have come to the end of their rope physically, emotionally, and spiritually. God really does care for the ordinary, hurting, anonymous people like you and me. Like you and me. Whatever the issue, whatever the need, whether it's overwhelming grief or crushing debt or paralyzing fear, you need to know that God cares about you and the burden that you're bearing. He hears your cries at night. He listens to your pleas for help. He, and, and I want you to listen to Him today. Speak to you through His Word. You know, God still speaks to us today. It's amazing. We keep waiting for God to speak to us. I don't know what we mean by that. Do you want him to write something in the clouds or write on the wall? I, I don't know what people mean. God has spoken to us. He speaks to us through his word. It's right there probably in your hands right now. God has spoken. The question is, are we listening? 
Listen to what God has to say about the ordinary, nameless, hurting people like you and me. Psalm 10 says this, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed. Psalm 34 says this, The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says this, one of my favorite verses, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Do you hear Him? Do you hear Him? He's speaking to you through His Word. I am not Elisha. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Amos or Hosea. I'm simply Mark Davis, but I am reading to you the Word of God. He's saying this to you today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. 1 Peter 5.7 says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. If you hear nothing else, If you don't learn another thing about God, as we go through this story, please get this one. He cares about you. About you. Would you just say that with me? God cares about me. God, I I, I know sometimes, we, we know it up here, but I'm afraid sometimes it never gets down here. Say it again. God cares about me. Well, some of y'all are kind of faithless and saying, I mean, you know, God cares about me. Man, I wish I could just drive it home to your spirit. If God's for you, who can be against you? He cares about you. He knows exactly where you're at right now. He knows exactly. All right, where's Angie? Angie, you in the room? Angie, I'm going to put you on the spot. You share. I, I want you to say something that every single mom in this place needs to hear. Would you just share briefly what you shared with me just a moment ago when you walked up? I'm putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. But there's somebody that needs to hear it, Angie. So a year ago, you were struggling with worthlessness, thinking that no one cared that you're... And now, a year later, the Lord heard your cry, and He cared about your need. And how do you feel today? Worthy. You see how that works? He really does care about you. He really does care about you. He cares about whatever burden it is you're carrying today. He cares about whatever fear you're struggling with. No matter who you are, no matter what you're going through, you need to understand something today. God really does care about you. And we see this in the experience of this poor single mom. Second thing I want you to learn today from this is, and from from the single mom's experience, that it, it teaches us that God uses our little to do much. God uses our little to do much. When that widowed single mom came to Elisha looking for help, he answered her with a question. And verse 2 through 4 kind of records this conversation for us. 
Elisha replied to the woman, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? Her response, your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, a strange request. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. I'm telling you what, that's just a strange request. Doesn't really make sense in the natural, does it? How weird would it feel to go to all your neighbors' homes this afternoon and ask if you can borrow every empty jar, every empty pot, and every empty piece of Tupperware they've got in their cabinets. That kind of, like, what a weird, why would would God tell me to do something weird like that? I mean, what if your neighbors asked why? What would you tell them? What? For God. Oh, you're a woman of great faith. I'd look at him and say, no, your business, you give it to me. I don't know what I'd say. <laughs> I really don't know what I'd say. Because quite frankly, I'm not sure I'd do it. My pride would stand in the way. <laughs> Could I have every jar in your house, every bowl in your house? Give me all your Tupperware while you're at it. Slam! That's what you would expect, right? I I mean, honestly, come on. I'm not even sure I'd be willing to try it. But yet, that's what this woman did. She listened. She obeyed. Say it with me again. Listen. Obey. She didn't question. She listened and obeyed. Took the Lord at His word did what he told her to do. What stands in your way? What keeps you from doing what you know God has told you to do? This woman took the word of the prophet of God at face value and she acted on it. And what was the the outcome? The Lord blessed her. The Lord blessed her. The Lord blessed her. Listen, obey, blessing. Listen, obey, blessing. You get that? That's a pattern. That's an ongoing pattern throughout the story. Hear the Word of God. Put it into practice. Pathway to blessing. Pathway to freedom. Pathway to life. Pathway to restoration. Listen, obey. Such a simple thing. It's just that so much stands in the way. Pride, selfishness, doubt. Some of us, we don't obey because we don't even know what he said. We haven't picked up the word in so long. Look, the woman obeyed. She took the prophet of God at face value. She acted on it, and the Lord blessed her. Listen, obeying God's word will always lead to blessing. Again, this is a verse, this is a principle that flows on nearly every page of the Bible. 
Deuteronomy 28.2 says all these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. Jesus says in Luke 11.28, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Never underestimate the blessing of obedience. Never underestimate the blessings of obedience. Never let your pride, your stubbornness, your cultural expectations, your lack of understanding, or anything else keep you from putting into practice and obeying the Word of God. Because obedience provides the pathway that leads you directly to God's blessing. What stands in your way? What do you need to clear out of your ears? What strongholds erected itself around your heart that keeps you from putting into practice what you know the Lord has told you to do? This woman obeyed, and God multiplied this little amount of olive oil. He filled every empty jar she could lay her hands on, and only when the uh, last empty container was full did that oil stop flowing. Listen, God uses you, God used her little to do much. Her obedient response to God's word opened up the floodgates of God's blessing upon her life. What is so special about olive oil, man? I got all kinds of olive oil in my cabinet, my kitchen cabinets. Well, back in the day, olive oil was a valuable staple in the economy. People used it as cosmetic, as medicine. They used olive oil to prepare their food. They used olive oil to burn their lanterns at night. It was, it was used in all kinds of important religious rituals. So it was a valuable commodity. So when this woman sold this olive oil, this abundant, seemingly never-ending supply of olive oil... It not only paid off the woman's debt, but here's where the grace of God kicks in. Listen to me. Here's where the grace... It not only paid off her debt, it secured her future. That's grace. You hear me? That's the blessing of obedience. Not only receiving mercy, but receiving grace. More than you ever dreamed or expected. I want to share a personal story with you. And, and I don't like doing that a lot, but I'm going to do it today because my heart, my heart's just overwhelmed. Last week we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to go to Virginia to watch uh, our niece graduate from medical school. And that was such an amazing thing for us to be part of, just to see how God had blessed her and enabled her to accomplish that. But I could not help but think of my grandfather, Granddaddy Adams. I called him Granddaddy, okay? Granddaddy Adams back in the last century, 1920s, 30s, and 40s, was a sharecropper who lived outside the Great big town of Slocum, Alabama. Anybody ever been there? Slocum? <laughs> it's called Snuff City, for those of you that don't know, because everybody down there. No. My granddaddy was a sharecropper. Dirt poor sharecropper. Scratching whatever existence he could out of the ground. An alcoholic. Abusive. He had four kids, two boys, two girls. The two boys were the first kids that they had, and he abused the mess out of those boys. 
The two girls came up at a later time. My grandfather, for whatever reason, went with my grandmother to a little revival service. You know, one of those old Brush Arbor kind of revival services. You guys don't even know what those are now. Sawdust on the floor, somebody playing a honky-tonk piano. I don't know who the evangelist was. I wish I did. Because back in 1947 or 48, my grandfather for the first time heard the Word of God and obeyed it. And it changed his life. He was a barber on, the, on Saturday mornings. He'd cut people's hair just to get a little bit, a few more coins to take care of his family. Well, as God began to work in his life, he decided to give up the sharecropping experience. Became a barber full-time in downtown Enterprise, Alabama. Enterprise, Alabama. Anybody ever been there? Bow Evil Monument. If you ever go to Enterprise, Alabama, my grandfather's barbershop is right there almost, it's three, three storefronts away from the Bull Weevil Monument. It's now a theater, a dinner theater of all things. But as my grandfather continued to listen and obey, he became a deacon in his church, bought his own home, became a pillar in his community, all because he listened and obeyed. One of his daughters went on to, mission, to become a missionary in India for 32 years, and that's who I'll go visit this afternoon. I can't help but think how my life has been so drastically changed because of my grandfather's decision made back in 1947 to listen and obey. You hear what I'm saying, moms? There's no telling what God might do with your family if today you will listen and obey. There's a ripple effect. Generation after generation after generation. A ripple effect when we listen to what God is saying. Put it into practice. You may not see it immediately. Does it matter? No. It's what it might mean for those future generations. My grandfather didn't have much to give to God. Matter of fact, he had next to nothing to give to God. He had no career. He had no home of his own. He couldn't even read. This is amazing. My grandfather didn't even get through second grade. He couldn't read. Except for this. He prayed. He wanted so desperately to be able to read the Bible. He prayed, said, God, give me the ability to read the Bible. Guess what? He could read the Bible. 
He couldn't even write his own name on his checks. My grandmother did all that stuff. I'm telling you, listen, obey, blessing. It's a simple little, like a, you know, really almost a Texas two-step kind of thing, you know. (laughs) We complicate this stuff, man. We complicate this stuff. We want to rationalize it. We want to think it through. We want to analyze it. No, just do it. Just do it. Live it out. Walk it out day by day, taking each day as it comes, doing the best you can to obey the Lord your God as best you know how today, and let's see where he takes us. Let's see what he'll do in us and through us. Let's see how he will radically transform our lives, starting on the inside, but whoo, suddenly everything has changed. Don't complicate this thing, y'all. Single moms, don't complicate this thing. God cares about you. He'll take whatever little you got, He'll turn it into something magnificent if you'll just continue to give it to Him. Continue to let Him work in it, work in you and through you. Listen, what God did for my grandfather, He'll do for anybody. The third thing I want you to know, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I just, I, I'm, let me back up. The third thing I want you to know from the single mom's experience is this. It teaches us that God is our ultimate provider. It's not the government. It's not another person. It's not your boss. It's not me. It's not Cindy. It's not this church. God is your ultimate provider. God is your ultimate. Would you say that with me? God is my ultimate provider. We're so busy waiting for somebody to step in and take care of us. Aren't we? We're uh, uh, young single moms, you're looking for that rich young dude to come by and get into your life, right? Because he's going to take care of you. You guys have figured out by now there are worse things than being single. You don't look to any man as being your provider. You look to God to be your provider. That goes for all of us, not just the young single moms. Your destiny, your needs are not going to be taken care of by your boss. God has promised to take care of your needs. Her response to the prophet's word reminds us here that God is our provider. We need God. Frankly, He's all I need. He's all you need. We need God. We need Him to help us. We need Him to guide us. We need Him to provide for us. We are not made to live independent of God. We are designed to live in an intimate, dependent relationship with God. We are created to obey Him. We are created to seek Him. We are created to learn from Him and find in Him all of our needs are met. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You want peace? You want peace? Stop looking to other people to fix you. To fix that need. Stop looking for man to take care of you. Look to God. Look to God. He'll provide. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. In Luke 22, Jesus says, This is Jesus talking. Words in red. Got to really pay attention here. Don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. 
These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world, but your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He'll give you everything you need. We need one thing. We need the presence of God in our life. That's it. He takes care of the rest. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, will He not also along with Him graciously give us all things? This, this little verse came up Wednesday night in our Bible study. I love this little verse, and I love what Chip Ingram said about it in Wednesday's study on God's goodness. Chip Ingram said, Not trusting God to meet your daily needs is like having someone pay off your million-dollar debt but not trusting Him to give you lunch money. It's amazing how we will trust God for salvation, but we won't trust Him to take care of us today. We trust Him when He says He's prepared for us a place in glory, but I don't know if I can trust Him to get me through the day today. i got to figure this thing out by myself. Listen. God gave His only Son to pay off your enormous debt of sin. Surely He will continue to meet every other need in your life also if you'll simply trust Him. Listen, obey, blessing. I'm going to bring it to an end. If you have a need this morning, we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer. We're going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to ask the leadership team, if you would, to be willing to respond. If, if people do come forward, to pray for needs. If you have a need in this place, we want you to know we will pray with you while Micah leads, uh, leads us in worship. But I want to finish uh, by focusing on a little term that I came across not long ago. Have you ever heard the term reversal of destiny? Anybody ever heard that term before, reversal of destiny? Reversal of destiny is a term that some Bible teachers use to describe the way God intervenes in difficult circumstances to turn people's lives around. And I, as I read about that little term, I couldn't help but think of how firmly established in the Word of God this principle is. This is a principle, this is a pattern that God seems to follow throughout His Word. He steps into difficult situations to turn people's lives around. I mean, think about it. Think about Joseph. From prison to palace. Think about Moses. From murderer to deliverer. Think about Rahab. From prostitute to faithful follower of God. Think about Esther. Not there yet, we're getting there. A poor Jewish girl who becomes queen of Persia. We see this pattern again today in the story of this poor single mom, don't we? God reversed her destiny. God speaks to her through His prophet. She listened. She obeyed. God took her little, didn't much with it. All of her needs were met. Through her faith in God, she received or, or she experienced a reversal of destiny. What seemed so desperate suddenly was more than enough. What seemed so hopeless suddenly is completely changed. Reversal of destiny. I believe this really summarizes the entire gospel message. This little phrase, reversal of destiny, really, in a way, summarizes the entire gospel message. 
The gospel says that we are all sinners desperately in need of saving. That we're rebels against God with no hope. No hope of a future. The gospel says that we owe to God a debt we could never hope to repay. The gospel says there seems to be no hope for us at all, but then God steps in to reverse our destiny. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. The ones who were rebels and not right through God are made right. You get that? Reversal. The cross changes everything, man. The cross changes everything. It's a reversal of destiny from, from judgment and wrath to forgiveness and freedom. It's a reversal of destiny from sinner to saint. From a child of darkness to a child of God. From a slave of sin to a servant of Christ. It's a reversal of destiny. From an eternity without God to an eternity with God. Listen, it's a reversal of destiny. I love that phrase. It's reverberating through my head. I see that pattern over and over and over again. Guess what? That pattern is not just contained within the pages of the Bible. That reversal of destiny is still taking place today. It changed the little widow woman's life. It changed my grandfather's life. It'll change your life too. A reversal of destiny. How do you experience your own reversal of destiny? Listen. Obey. Blessing. What worked for the little old widow woman worked for my grandfather. It worked for me. If it's worked for you already, would you raise your hand? Oh, there's some of you. Well, you haven't. You haven't experienced that reversal of destiny yet. My question is, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God is no respecter of persons. What he's done for one, he'll do for all. What are you waiting for? God is calling your name today. God is speaking to your heart today. It's his word that you're hearing today. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you directly today. Calling you by name, saying today's your day. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day where everything changes for you. Are you listening? Will you obey? Are you listening? Will you obey? I want everyone, if you would, to bow your head and close your eyes this morning. We're just going to worship the Lord. It's all we're going to do right now. Focus on the Lord. We're not going to emotionally manipulate anybody. I just want to give the Holy Spirit time to work in hearts. Some of you need a reversal of destiny this morning. Some of you need a change to take place because you're in a desperate situation. Some of you are hopelessly lost without God. But 
today the Lord is throwing you a rope. He's saying, here I am. The gospel is for you. Christ died for you. Christ paid the penalty for you. You are not right with God at this moment, but by simply listening and obeying, I'll make you right with me. A reversal of destiny. Some of you are trapped in your sin right now. You're, you're, you're trapped in your addiction right now. It's, got a, it's, it's built a prison around your life. God is here to change your destiny. He's speaking to you this morning, and He's saying you don't have to stay behind those prison walls a moment longer. If you'll just listen and obey, I'll set you free. This is the gospel message. We see it in the life of this little widow woman. You see it today in some of your friends. You've seen the radical change that's taken place in their life. They simply listened to the Word of God and they obeyed, put it into practice. And now, you see in their life this pathway that's opened up for them, a pathway that's full of blessing, freedom and life and light, and truth. The same God that reversed their destiny is the same God who will reverse your destiny too. If you also will listen, obey, put your trust in Him. I don't know what you're waiting for. What are you waiting for? God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's His kindness that leads us to repentance. Today's your day. Today's your day. Today is your day. God really does care about you.